Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 92. Wow, episode 92. And I don't know if you guys noticed there on our intro, another voice. Ooh. Did you guys notice that? Yes, Natalia, who is that voice? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I would love to introduce him. So you guys might know him from the podcast, The Valley Folk, perhaps Sugar Pine 7, as well Ooh. as Source Fed, Ooh. and also a 2002 Nickelodeon commercial. That's the one. Wow. That's and the one. also the podcast, The Fundamentalist with Ooh. Peter Rollins. It is Elliot Morgan today here Ooh. in the studio of us. Thank you. Air beow, horns, beow. air horns, air horns. Fireworks. Wow, fireworks. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm truly, genuinely excited. Well, just to dive into whatever this crazy stuff is. That I'm so talk excited. About. Yeah, very nice to have, uh, have, have be a part of this. So thank yeah, you. we are so happy to have you here. I, I saw on Twitter that you wanted to talk about some alien stuff. Oh, all the time. And so I chose some alien stuff to Did talk you really? about. Yes. Yes, yes, oh, I really I'm so did. Excited. But before we get into that, we often ask our guests on the show what their own personal beliefs are in the paranormal. And if you don't want, like, you know, if it's like really sacred to you, you don't have to talk about it. If it's, you can also lie, we'll yeah, never can, know. Oh, we that's won't true. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll lie. Um, no, yeah, great question. Great way to like, you know, set the, the groundwork a little bit. Right. I don't know. I, I've had some weird experiences myself. <gasps> really? Uh, a couple. I grew up in a Pentecostal church in uh, Central Florida, uh, a mega church speaking in tongues. I saw demons cast out and all that stuff what? when I Wait, was a child. Wait, you can't no, casually you say that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Pentecostal. I've Pentecostal, heard that before, yeah. but is that Christianity? It is Christian. Okay. It's, uh, it is Protestant. It's Christian. It's a it's a charismatic denomination, and uh, meaning that they believe in the gift of uh, speaking in tongues that is bestowed wow. upon you from the Holy Spirit. And so I grew up around that, and it was a very strange sort of thing in middle school because it was almost like how a lot of middle schoolers feel certain types of peer pressure in a sexual way. I had yeah. peer pressure in a way of like you have to speak in tongues because oh, wh that's what what, what wow. the cool kids do. Is, um, is speaking in tongues like Latin or is it another language? It is. <laughs> you know, great question. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know. I know that it's it's not Latin. It is like it, it is a it is kind of if I'm being cynical, it's gibberish. It's just sort of a, a series of uh, sounds that you make, and then according to the Bible, there will be a an interpreter if it's like legitimate. And so you'll have someone stand up in a crowd, and they'll be like, "Oh, shabadaka," and they'll say all this stuff, and it's crazy sounding. Oh my god! And then someone else will stand up and say, "The Lord of God, uh, Lord of God, says." Such and such and such and such and the you know such and such is coming and you know we are going to have blessings or we're it's, gonna have it's so an it's otherworldly language for the Lord it is scatting yeah. for the Lord it's yeah. scatting for yeah. Jesus yeah uh, yeah and so did that grew up in the Christian uh, denomination and then uh, went and studied zoology and then had a encounter. I think in my 20s, prior to my first divorce, where I saw a shadow person. You guys know about shadow <gasps> yes. people. Yes, we've briefly talked about I shadow people I'm before. I'm so stoked right now. You're First of all, no, what I you were talking about with like seeing demons cast out and stuff. Why we should I should have done an episode on that because you might have wow. some insight into it. So we'll have to come back on the podcast. I've repressed like a it. lot of it. So but I'll come back. <laughs> uh, but it is cre it's creepy and weird and different. But um, yeah. And so then and ever since and then I got real cynical, got real skeptical, got real uh like materialistic and then uh now i'm in grad school 
studying uh, depth psychology and a lot of that stuff is very welcoming, especially in Jungian psychology of um, sort of more occult stuff, more like hidden knowledge stuff. And so it's all very fun. Wow. A learned Congratulations man. Congratulations on your math. Thank you so pursuing much. Pursuing your math. That's fucking yeah. hard. Second it year. Really it's very hard. hard. Especially as yeah. an adult going back it's to terrible. school. So right. much reading. Yeah, reading. Well, and you've got to work. I feel like when you come out of high school and go into college, yeah. um, it's sort of like this naivety of, oh, I like I'm in the real world and I'm an adult, but you're no. not really, no. you know, you like no responsibilities. No. I yeah. mean, you maybe you have a part time job or maybe. maybe you know what I mean? Or you're living on this um, like with student loans. You kind of don't realize how fucked you are until it ha yeah. until it's over. Yeah. Did, did yeah. You student yeah I did. I'm now doing it. Yeah. And it's see. terrifying. Congratulations. Yeah, it's very, very horrifying. Yes. Thank you. So you saw a shadow person. What was that Look, about? Look, straight up. I'll get into it if y'all want. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, we want. No, we no, no. Want. That's what okay. the intro's for. Intro, uh, 15, 20 minutes. Tell us about your shadow person. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, so this is some weird stuff. I was, I would say, in a bad place psychologically. I was mm. in a situation I didn't necessarily want to be in. I was in just a very sort of morose place. I remember laying in bed next to my wife at the time and felt a presence, a weight a physical weight next to me on the other side of the bed. In my mind, I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And my first thought was, oh, it's my dog. But I was like, wow, my dog's like 10 pounds. And this feels like a weight that is roughly wow. this same weight as me. And it felt like I was sort of like almost falling into that, that weight a little bit. Like it was really affecting the gravity. I'd never heard of this before. I'd never read the Wikipedia page on it. And I remember seeing just like this dark shadow figure in the shape of a human crawling up the wall slowly oh, no. like no. Spider-Man. Oh my God, I just oh got my the God. chills. I got the chills Isn't that too. crazy? The crawling oh. on the wall? Yeah, slowly crawling up the wall and toward the ceiling. I started thinking, oh, these are my friends pranking me. I was like, this right. is a cruel prank. Why would they be so mean as to dress up in all black and freak me out and make me think there's a demon in the room? I started just shouting like, turn the light on, turn the light on, stop doing this, stop doing this, turn the light on. My wife at the time woke up and she heard me and I started trying to turn the lamp on and the lamp wouldn't turn on. No. I was like, okay, they've turned the lamp out. Like they unplugged it, like something's going on or like they burnt out the bulb. This is way too weird. Eventually she woke up and she turned the light on and it was gone and everything was fine. That was one of the craziest experiences of my life. I then later told some people about it, heard about the idea of a shadow person, also heard all the other interpretations of sort of just like a high level of anxiety, it gets projected outward, et cetera, et cetera. None of those really ever scratched the the itch. And so there's yeah, a little yeah. part of me, it's like, okay, something something potentially could have been going on there and it keeps a little door open in my mind for the possibility yeah, of this type how, of stuff. Did you like have like some sort of like PTSD after experiencing this or did you have to work through it? It was pre my divorce and it was almost as if it was like, it, 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 I think maybe catalyzed some stuff and sort of like made me freak out a little bit and brought to a head all the stuff I think at that point in my life that I was, I was repressing. So it, it served sort yeah. of, I think, a good mm. function, right? But was so scary, yeah. like yeah. genuinely, like and so confusing. And I, I kind of had it in the back of my mind, and I kind of put it out of my mind once I heard about the shadow person thing or mm -hmm. the um, sleep paralysis is the, right. the sort of go-to explanation for it. And I read about sleep paralysis and I was like, okay, that's all it was. But the timing of it, how legitimate it was and the fact that it had never really happened before definitely sort of stuck with me. But the, so we've done an episode on sleep paralysis. I researched it, so I feel like I know a lot about Ooh. this. Sleep paralysis demons don't crawl up the walls. Oh, that's interesting. Like they, that's good to know. They'll yeah. sit. <laughs> Wish I would have known that. Yeah. They'll sit on the bed. They'll sit on your chest. 
heard of that. They'll hover. They'll stand in the corner. Sometimes they have sex with you. Sometimes there's like a sexual component, of of, the sex but they stuff don't. Up. But they don't like crawl slowly up the wall mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I it feel did. like that's something else. Yeah. Yeah, it was very strange and slowly and like spy like a creepy, oh, creepy spider man. No, um, yeah, no, I can picture it in my mind exactly. I don't like you it. know what I'm picturing? That I don't know if you guys ever played the zombies from Call of Duty from like 2010 or whatever, yes, yeah. where they had the crawlers. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing from American Horror Story season one, I think, uh, where that guy wears the gimp the, suit, the suit and he's like contorted and yeah. all like over. That. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm picturing. Yeah. Like, well, Ugh. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Hey, you know though. Interesting though, right? Right. <laughs> like, that's that's it's kind of how, how we treat this yeah. podcast. We have something called personal hauntings right. where we'll be like, this is something super fucked up that happened to me this week. But, you know, let's turn it into well, a, a some entertainment. Joke. Now, yeah. does, do these types of things happen to you guys like right, like weekly? Like regularly? Well, no, no. Personal hauntings could be like one year I got in like three car accidents in a mm-hmm. month, none of which were my fault. Right. So that's something that's sort of yeah. like, okay. What is the cosmos trying to tell me if yeah. you're looking at it outside of the logical, like, oh, just a bunch of bad luck, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, what is going on to it's just make like these crazy things shit align? that happens basically yeah. is like yeah, the, the personal uh, hauntings. The synchronicities of yes. it all, which is a big part of the we depth psychology stuff, yeah. is a big, a big like three three car wrecks in, in one month is that's pretty it's yeah. We actually had an episode on synchronicities as well where oh, we yeah. had I feel like we call him out all the time because he's the most impressive guest we've ever had, but <laughs> Dean Raiden, who's a parasite psychologist oh, yeah. cool. um, and participated in some CIA studies come on and talk about oh, synchronicities. Nice. No and, way. Yeah, it was yeah. so real interesting. Deal. And he's probably trying so hard to get this podcast scrubbed from his <laughs> yeah. entire existence <laughs> right now, but shame. we like won't but we, let it go. We won't let it go because he was so fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so now have, having had him on the podcast, I feel like it's given our personal hauntings that much more like legitimacy to, oh, to yeah. even feature on the episode because yeah, synchronicities or weird coincidences right. or you know what what is going on to make the stars align to make me yeah get into these three car accidents you, or something like that. Do you guys have time for a quick synchronicity? Yes. Oh, of course, oh, okay. absolutely. Yes. But I'm very excited to hear about this alien stuff. Yes. Uh, so this happened. This is one of the events that led me to go back to school and study the union stuff because you was the guy who came up with the synchronicity term basically mm-hmm. and i didn't i had never heard of that word until this sort of weird series of events happened but essentially i was dating this person we'd been dating on and off for a while great person wonderful person wasn't a right fit and so one day like we went out to dinner and i sort of initiated a conversation where i was like is this are we going anywhere like what's going on like how mm-hmm. how is this going to work and the answer was sort of like no, basically like not. Nah. And so I was like, okay, well, we're gonna, I'm gonna cut it here. We're gonna cut yeah. it off, and then this is that's that, and no big deal. And I had previously rented an Airbnb to go hang out with some friends for the two of us to go to to hang out, hopefully as like a couple, like as right, a real right. legit uh, couple. And it didn't work out that way. And so I went to this cabin by myself. Sad. Uh, so sad. Yeah. So, so, so You're sad. missing a huge underlying part of this, this the story, emotional. which is, this is sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and it gets, a, it gets a little sadder. But then I started listening to uh, Spotify, feeling sorry for myself, as I tend to do, get a little emo. Mm-hmm. And the I discover, and I get a playlist, and I it suggests me this new uh, guy that I'd never Ever heard of before his name's ricky and he does this really poppy music and i yeah. was like this guy's like really hitting the the you know nail on the head for me yeah and so i was listening to his music in this cabin by myself getting high 
uh, feeling so sorry for myself. Right. I wake up in the morning, I'm still listening to him, I'm looking up this guy and I'm figuring all of his stuff out. And then I go to a bar because all my friends are there, but all my friends are with their significant others and their yeah. kids and it's yeah. very sad. And so then I went to a bar and I was chilling out. My buddy comes and he meets me and uh, I was like, well, let's try a new place. So we go to a new place and this is in Big Bear. And so uh, Big Bear's all cute and everything's yeah, real yeah, nice. And so I, we walk into this thing and I go, oh, uh, that's the guy, and uh, it was this guy, Ricky Montgomery, who the guy uh, from the so- that sings the songs that sings the songs. What? And he was at the a table uh, across from the bar seats that were available for us to sit in, and I sit down and I'm kind of freaking out, and I turn to my friend and I'm like, "Hey!" And I open my Spotify app, and it's like mid song, one of his his right, songs. You were just listening to it, yeah. And I was like, "Is this this guy right here?" And uh, my buddy was like, "Yep." <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay. And I was like, well, I'm a bit of a geeky person. So I was like, I'm going to have to go say hi. Yeah, uh, of course, you must. So I walk up to him and he's like, oh yeah, I know I know who you are. Uh, what? He was like, uh, not only that, this is the craziest part. We started chatting. He'd seen some videos I had done and I had followed him and he had followed me and he was like, I don't really do music anymore. I was like, well, that's a bummer. I was like, I think you, you should continue to do music. Across from him was a dude who had also gone on a date with the person that I had just. <gasps> I'm like, no I'm. Wait, yeah. wait, how did you know he went on a date with that person? Well, you know how everybody kind of <laughs> knows creeping. everybody. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you, man. Nice, you know, whatever. And we chatted for a little bit and I introduced my buddy, walked away from it. Come to find out that at that exact time, another person had broken up with someone else. And then that person was a person who I ended up being with. And it all worked out great. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's sorry. That's like a one act play right there. Isn't like it? everything yeah. happened like, in the one setting. Go. Yeah. Like all the characters yeah, right? were at the one I setting. Like, that, and it was one of those things where as soon as I walked in, I was like, that's the guy that I just discovered like two days who I'm listening who is you know like helping you get through this and since then the dude has like blown up he started (gasps) making music again and it became super popular you you could have been a catalyst you did it I did it I (laughs) took credit Ricky Montgomery's career is because of me yeah Yeah. here first no but it it really is Uh, like I know there's like woo woo stuff in this world that people don't believe but like I truly believe in the law of attraction and that sounds like what happened there weird right yeah it was so like uh, yeah I mean, something was going on. It was some kind of thing where the universe was like, you're on the right path. Yeah, definitely. Um, Very affirming and very comforting. Like, is this just like God's sitcom TV show? Always. I truly believe (laughs) that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I started doing stand up again finally after the pandemic and I started calling it the ridiculous universe. Yeah, because it's very much the same idea of just like there's some kind of sense of humor in this where it's things are playing with you sometimes. Right, nice. the, just a sense of humor that's just naturally ingrained into the natural world. I actually think about that because my like my baby laughs all the time and I thought about it and I was like, where did he learn this from? Because we didn't laugh. Like he didn't see me laugh. He didn't yeah. see anyone laugh. And he like decides things are funny and starts laughing. That's it's, a good point. Yeah. You know, and it's weird. It's really and, weird. He has like his own sense of humor, you know, like in his way. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little, little person. Yeah, but acorn. it's like it's not taught. It's <laughs> growing just into part. Into tree. Oak tree. It's not taught. It's just like it's part of the universe. That's my point. It's beautiful. It, it really is. It really is. Well, I really liked that story. Thank you for sharing it and thank opening you for, yourself uh, up. You know, it was fun. And congratulations on uh, the baby again. Oh, thank I you. Didn't know about it. And it's very cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, so for this story today, I 
I kept getting like weird synchronicities with this where I thought I had seen the evidence. I thought I had heard this story. I I swear, I feel like Allie has talked about this before. So I even texted her and I was like, did you talk about this? So Natalia texted me because I had texted her and I said, hey, I saw this tweet that Elliot talked somewhere about how he wants to talk about aliens, the fundamentalists. Right. Because my podcast partner, Peter, was like, you got to stop talking about it. And I was like, well, I'll find someone else. I love that. Right. So but Natalia was like, I had already seen that tweet. Like, you didn't need to text me this. And then... And I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah. And so then she texted me and was like, hey, did you did you talk about this topic? Because this whole purpose of this podcast is that we alternate turns telling each other stories and it doesn't work if the other person's already heard the story. Yeah. Right. So she was like, I just want to make sure you've never heard of this before. And I was like, no, I've never heard of this before. I just I really hope you haven't talked about this. I even went back through the episodes and like looked for it in the title and stuff. Maybe we've discussed it. I don't know. But I I feel like I already knew this story. And if you hear this story, Allie, and you're like, I we've literally never talked about this, then that is going to prove that this is one of those like weird synchronicity things. <laughs> where, deja like, vu. Deja like, vu. Like, yeah. here before. Like I've been here before. Right. OK, so <clears throat> do you want to shout wait. out our donors first? Yes. No, we have to. OK. Hey, I would love to shout out the people that keep this podcast running. If you are new to this show, we do not have a Patreon. We do not have sponsors. We don't have ads. We subsist entirely off of our Ko-fi donations. So if you'd like to go and Venmo and PayPal and and PayPal, look, we're on every platform where you could possibly send us money. Yeah. Uh, So if you'd like to donate to us, you can go to letsgethaunted.com and there's a giant donate button in the upper right hand corner of your screen where you can go to our Ko-fi page and donate holy water to us. We need a lot of it on this show (laughs) one glass of holy water is five dollars yeah so let me just go ahead and shout everyone out laura w sydney b Alyssa s abby m rebecca h melissa e mariah and john elena b alana b who said not to be confused with elena b oh michelle r abby v alessa r Haley a julia a sean r ronan michelle p Rachel V, Kaz C, Chaotic Kina, and Mariah and John again. And Mariah wrote a little message for us this time, and she said that she is a nurse and that she listens to us getting ready for her shifts during her shifts sometimes if she has downtime. And so she said she wanted to thank us for getting her through this shithole of a pandemic as a nurse. Well, thank you for getting us through this shithole of a pandemic. Yeah, for real. Like, thank so you. So appreciative. Um, I also want to thank Maya L. And I want to thank Elizabeth J. And Mason H. And also Camry G., who's Peter Barker in the Discord. And they donated $50 because, quote, because the Discord has become family. How sweet is that? Very Aww. sweet. I, thank you so much, Peter I'm Barker. so nice. I won't talk about this, like, too much because I've already said it before. But the Discord, like, I consider the Discord, it's, like, supposed to be, like, a Discord that's, like, for Allie and I. Right? That's yeah. my interpretation of it it's right it's like for let's get haunted therefore it's for us like when i went in the discord i realized like no this is for everyone else who's here and like mm-hmm. i am just like the outsider i like tried to join in they were watching some movie once but i was like had to feed enzo so i like came in at the last second and i like made it awkward and i was like <laughs> fuck like you know when you just like walk into like a <laughs> oh, tight sorry. group of friends that yeah. are like having a conversation <laughs> oh, this wasn't for me yeah and yeah. they just all immediately stare at you and look at you and stop talking about what they were talking it was like that and then 
I was like, oh, okay, see you guys later. Like, it was just oh, so. Bye, bye. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's, I'm really happy that the Discord has become family and they're actually all going to meet up in Denver. What? Yeah, and that airport is super haunted. Uh, yeah, so. apparently. Oh, yeah, that's for another episode. That laser eyed horse out there. Yeah, yeah. apparently yeah. there's like an underground bunker. Underground right. Bunker it's supposed to be like uh, the Masonic. Uh, apocalypse. Yeah, there's like all kinds of shit. We should do an episode we on should. it. We should. We should. Well, wow, I'm so excited to hear yeah. that people from the Discord are meeting up. If you'd like to join the fan Discord, I can't tell you how to do it. Um, <laughs> you've simply got to figure it out. I put my fake glasses on. They, they, they Blue blockers. Yeah, they yeah. block nice. the blue light. They do help you sleep a little bit better, but mostly they just make you look like a cool paranormal investigator. So. Wait, you don't sleep with them on, right? That's crazy. No. <laughs> No, That's nutty. But what are you, talking you about? can like look at your blue light emitting devices and feel less like it's bad I need before to get bed. Some. Yeah. yeah, they 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 do work. They make everything look very like a little bit less sharp, but whatever. Okay, so our story today, guys, takes place in 1967 in the afternoon, and it's May. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? 1967. Anyone have any ideas of what might have been going on in globally around that time? Well, I was listening to a podcast on the way here, and they were talking about how in the late 60s, the U.S. had a lot of child prostitution rings. So I'm sure oh, that that's not sh- what, what we'll be talking about today, but no, f- it's fresh I've in my never mind heard that. because I was listening to that on the way here. Okay, I've never heard that. So I guess that's going on too. Super haunted. Uh-huh. Um, also, Cold War. Cold War. And I, would, I would, yeah. was going to say psychedelics. Was this when psychedelics were starting to kind of pop up? Yeah, off? psychedelics. People were starting to, well, the government itself was starting to experiment with like LSD. We had uh-huh. MK Ultra happening, yep. which we did an episode going on in that time. This story does not take place in the United States, though. It takes place in a place called White Shell Provincial Park, which is 150 kilometers east of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Oh, I don't actually don't know much about Canada in the 60s. No, you had to keep going and going until I knew like Winnipeg. I know that's something. Yeah. Something yeah. There, that, Canada. Shell, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like Manitoba. I've heard of that. What is it? Canada. Okay. Canada. Yeah, where is that? It is like near the border, basically. The uh, US left to right. Um, <laughs> That's how a, I think of maps yeah. too. Is it yeah. above Florida or Texas? Uh, I or think California? it's it's near the Great Lakes. I want to say, you know, okay, I, okay. Let me, above let me the look Michigan this. area. Where the fuck is Manitoba? Let's Google this. Manitoba. How about that? Where do you guys think it is? Uh, I'm well. You said above the Great Lakes. That's yeah, it's above it. the Great yeah. Lakes. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it. It's above the Great Lakes. There's some Great Lakes in there. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, exactly. So that's what's going on there. There's this Polish man that's there, and his name is Stefan Michalak. Have you guys heard of him? Mm -mm. No. Oh, thank God. I keep looking at Allie thinking she's going to be like, no, I told this story because I'm telling you guys, it's so strong in my mind that I've heard this before. Maybe, maybe in a parallel universe where we like factioned off and splintered and Mm -hmm. there are two different versions of us perhaps in that other version i did tell this story but this version of me does not know it oh okay good okay good sometimes i'll refer to him as stefan sometimes i'll i'll say michalek or michalek if i'm not like concentrated guys so i'm sorry it's it's all the same person i know it's the same guy and his life is about to be drastically altered forever how why (laughs) <laughs> but before we dig into Stefan's story, let's set the stage. Have either of you ever heard of Whiteshell Provincial Park? Nope. No. So Mm-mm. the provincial- Can I pa- guess? Yes, please. Is it a park 
near a beach that has white shells. That's a great Ooh, guess. Nice. That is a great guess. There are so many lakes and bodies of water that are going through this area. It's kind of like a swampy area. Oh, I didn't <laughs> picture that. Yeah, it's like it's really swampy, really muggy, marshy, marshy. Exactly. Tons of lakes, tons of rivers. It's actually so marshy there that the indigenous people have used that area to farm rice for a really long oh, time. Oh, really? Rice paddies. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, which yeah. is weird because I like never thought of rice being in Canada, but like I guess it can. Why? Yeah. There's not. I don't really know a lot about Canada. Rice has had a good <laughs> few thousand years. Yeah. It's made its way around. Right. But I don't know what it would look like if you were to farm it. Right. I have no idea what rice looks like when it's not in a plastic bag. I went to see some rice patties when I was in Indonesia, and it's pretty amazing, actually. Really? Yeah. It's like... The the marshes are like if you accidentally step in it, you go up to your like knee and just mud and muck. And I'm not really sure how exactly it works. I think there's they're like the rice is like floating or something, and then they go through and they harvest it by like dragging these baskets. It's it's a crazy fucking thing, and they've like terraced out the entire side of like mountains to do these rice patties. Whoa, yeah, interesting. It's, cool. it's very cool. So that's what I mean. It's like I don't know what I don't know what that would look like in Canada, and I didn't care to find out. So. Well, we'll never know. We don't need to know. Nope. <laughs> nope. So provincial parks are, my understanding is it's kind of like the national parks here oh, okay. in the United States. So according to the Manitoba website, Whiteshell Provincial Park is, quote, rushing rivers, clear, deep lakes, warm, sandy beaches, and the fresh scent of jack pine. There's just the beginning of a great getaway in Whiteshell Provincial Park. It's a four-season park where nature sets the stage for an outdoor experience as civilized <laughs> or as wild as you choose. Where a meteorite lake welcomes swimmers and scuba divers, and where children's days are easily filled at one of nature's great playgrounds. Let wildlife watch your best <laughs> golf shot in years. Copyright. Stretching 20- far beho- beyond the glimpse you get from Highway 1, Whiteshell Provincial Park will take you away from it all by trail, road, or by water. Choose any one of the 200 lakes Throw in a hook and test your skills it's- with big northern pike, bass, walleye, lake, and rainbow trout. That is way too long of an ad really for right? this location. Right? So basically, you can go golfing, camping, hiking, horseback riding, scuba, swimming, fishing, snowmobiling. I saw some other stuff in there. After doing some digging, though, I realized that that's actually just like the colonizer website like ad for uh, this provincial park so actually the park is a sacred ceremonial oh, area whoa. to the indigenous people who have lived there for millennia before the people were golfing and fishing yeah, yeah this and surprise snowmobiling me. right so golfing is the most haunted of all sports i've talked about it before on this podcast i used to work as a golf cart girl when i was 18 mm-hmm. you know the girls that drive yeah. around and make drinks yeah. for the drunk guys and it was always without fail like 50-year-old dudes that show up smashed already, like drove their drunk, bright red sweaty face, walking around on the golf course yelling and screaming. I just feel like it is the most haunted of sports. It does have like a negative (laughs) energy emanating from it. Actually, I didn't know this, but a lot of the national parks, at least here in the U.S., are sacred land. Did you guys know that? I mean, it does make sense if you think of... If we're thinking um, optimistically, right, then it would make sense that the places that are declared untouchable or like can't you can't build a house mm-hmm. there, right, right, would be protected. Now, in reality, is it still sacred if you're allowed to go camp or I don't know deface rocks yeah. or? Mm-hmm. 
I don't or know. Or pick your butt while you're taking pictures with your family. Right. Like, Pose for an Instagram photo pretending that you climbed a hill. Yeah. Shoot some golf balls and do yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the parks were, I guess, like beautiful to indigenous people who lived there. Like they saw Yosemite and they were like, wow, this is fucking the sickest shit we've seen in a long time. Remember all that flat fucking bullshit land over yeah, in the Modesto? Prairie, yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Like this place is awesome. Right. Yeah. And, and then the U.S. government was like, oh, we agree. Let's kick everyone off of this land. Right. Fence right. it off. Off, charge you to come yeah. in here and park yeah. your shitty car you know it's win-win yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's fucked so i try not to think about it too much but i have to mention it so that people don't think that you know just because yeah. I feel okay like. got it so back to the aliens according to wikipedia the white shell provincial park was inhabited by the obijue people and various other groups before them even had initially populated the area the obijue or the ashinaabe first mapped some of the area on birch bark and that's where the name of the park comes from white mm. shell is derived from the cowrie shells that were used in ceremonies by the ashinaabe including the obijue and among them some of the Midewiwin practitioners. Now, do you guys know what Midewiwin is? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So can't even fathom a so, guess. Yeah. So Midewiwin actually doesn't have a translation that's like comes into English perfect perfectly. Wonderful. So I'm gonna do my best based off of what I read about it. Okay. Um, but you, some of the people who are fluent in this language say that there's literally no translation. Even if you tried to put other words together in English to describe what this is, it wouldn't it mean. wouldn't come out. So it's it's often translated poorly as a medicine man. Mm. Do you guys know what a medicine man is? The shaman, would yeah. I guess, a version of a shaman. Yeah, so a shaman is a great guess. Sometimes they're called like witch doctors, mm -hmm. perhaps. So the Medewiwin, I keep saying Medewiwin, uh, <laughs> I think that's how you say it, or the Grand Medicine Society, as it's been translated, is a spiritual society that's found historically among the Upper Great Lakes where our story takes place. Mm. And like I said, there's not really a translation for it, but Someone tried to. His name was Thomas Shingobe. And he said in 1969, quote, the only thing that would be acceptable in any way as an interpretation of Mide would be a spiritual mystery. So here mm. is a picture of some authentic clothes that some of these medicine men, I say loosely, wore. Can you guys yeah. see that? Mm -hmm. Now, what am I looking? Can you zoom in a little bit at the top? I'm interested in the in the top portion. It's a mask. It's a mask. Okay. I couldn't tell I couldn't tell if it was a veil. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting a little mm -hmm. ways away from Natalia. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was a veil or not. Do you not. want to look at this closer and describe it? Yeah, it's very intriguing. Yeah, we're kind of sitting across from each other and like very far in this room. So you can scroll through that and show and show Elliot yes, as please. well. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about them. So the uh, these spiritual practitioners, shall I say, or the Medewiwin, they would have these ceremonies here in White Shell where they would wear this traditional wow. stuff and they would do all mm. these teachings and things that we we really don't even have a word for it. So it's basically like, you know, magical, mystical things. And a lot of their beliefs too reference ancient beings that come to this planet and share with them some of their knowledge and then returned returned back to where they came from and what's interesting also about these medewa winds is that it's all very secretive 
So they don't, it's sacred, right? So they don't want to just talk about it to someone who's not going to understand right. about it. We don't even have a way to fucking translate it. So they're like, why am I going to waste my time explaining it? Explaining yeah. something yeah. that you muggles are not going to get, <laughs> you know? So I'm going to, normies. Yeah. I'm going to describe this photo to our audio listeners. So I am looking at what I assume is a man. And he is dressed all in, I would say, animal hides, perhaps. Yeah. Elliot, do you yeah. think that's accurate? I would say so. And it's even the face is covered in this hide. And then there's a lot of fringe. There's fringe on top of the mask. Lots of fringe. Fringe going all down the regalia. And then it almost looks like, you know how rabbis wear that like stall mm -hmm. that goes yeah. around the shoulders? Or when you graduate, shawl. you shawl. wear that thing that goes around yeah. the shoulders. It looks like a sash, like a black sash yeah. that has some white embroidery perhaps yeah. of different creatures right i would say and he's also got and a drum i would say and i know this is purely a, a result of my western uh upbringing but i would say it's a spooky spooky right spooky mystical yes mystical. Ha haunted like um, a like almost like a scarecrow vibe. a very scarecrow -y. yeah 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 that was my initial thought a little little, little scarecrow, scarecrow -y. also reminds me of jason when he wears the, the burlap sack. Oh, great. Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh, you guys know uh -huh. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Freddy versus Jason. Jason from Crystal Lake. Yeah. 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 For good buddy of ours. Comes good on buddy the of ours. Comes, yeah. Visits us from his home in the lake on occasion. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Medewawins because it's important for us to understand how symbolic this land is and what the White Shell Park has been used for for centuries. Okay. So the Medewawin society is respected as keepers of detailed and complex scrolls. What's a word for just like a record keeper? A scribe, maybe? Nice. Yeah. So they would they would write down events and keep a, like all of the oral history that was going on. They would try to scribe that or whatever so that they would have it forever. And they have a bunch of songs and maps and memories and stories and even geometry and mathematics have been found in their records. And according to the Britannic Encyclopedia or the Encyclopedia Britannica? Of Britannica, rather. <laughs> the, why did I write that? <laughs> Guys, this is the brain fog I'm talking about. The Britannic Encyclopedia. The Medewawin are, quote, a group whose members were devoted to healing the sick and enlisting supernatural aid to ensure tribal welfare, whose activities revolved around the quest for a vision that would bring them in direct contact with supernatural beings Ooh. who instructed them in curing ceremonies. Besides the traditional medicine and healing abilities, the Ojibwa shaman could be seen as a multidimensional caretaker. Interesting. Multidimensional caretaker. I like caretaker. that, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So they're kind of like... Put that on my resume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're kind of like, you know, this portal or this bridge through which these supernatural beings can communicate with everyone else mm. in the tribe through. According like a prophet, perhaps, if we were equating it to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perhaps like that. But my understanding is they're they're really they're really more of just like like a puppet, like a means for which they were speaking in tongues. Perhaps no, I, a, I, vessel, I a vessel, yeah. a vessel, a uh, channel, uh, channel. Yeah, a channel. Like I said, we don't have a word for it. Mm -hmm. You know, like a, like I'm thinking I'm imagining a supernatural being 
trying to communicate with humans, but being like, I, I like don't, you know, I'm just made of energy. I like don't have a way to affect things. But for some reason, I can like, you know, manipulate the shaman to do what I want or manipulate this person if they perhaps if they like wear this certain stuff or I, I don't know what mm. all the rituals mean because it's a very secret and sort of sacred thing. But that's the way that I'm sort of interpreting it. Right. As. So the Ojibwe is derived from this other word that means those who keep records and it refers to their form of pictorial writing and the pictographs that their society creates for uses in these sacred rites. So according to their oral history, which we've taken from these pictograms or whatever, there were seven great Migis who appeared before them in the land of the dawn, which was an eastern land, to teach them the way of life. And one of those seven great Migas beings was said to have become more powerful than all of the other beings, and they killed much of the people in this land of the dawn. The remaining six of these Migas decided to teach those people much of their culture, and then they drove the evil one out and into the ocean. Hmm. After their instruction was done, they also returned to the ocean as well. That's what we understand from these records. Now, who's who's to say, as who's we like to, to say, say on this say. podcast? Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that this area, White Shell Provincial Park, is a sacred ceremonial area where secret magical things happen for thousands of years. And these these people, these tribes, they kept records of these things. Do you guys know what a petroform is? Mm-mm. No. A petroform. So a petroform is a shape or geometrical pattern made from arranging large rocks and boulders, often over large areas of open ground, unlike the smaller petroglyphs and graphs, which are usually like we see drawn on rocks and things like this. Okay. The This is like Stonehenge, right? Yeah. It's like big rocks. To... Yeah. Have you guys been to, have you seen Stonehenge before? I don't think so. Not it's in, in Scotland, person. right? It's in no, it's uh, in England. Yeah. It's in England. Yeah. Um it, I read a there's a book called In Search of Stones. Uh and I've I've seen Stonehenge as well, but I read the book prior and it's this uh guy named M. Scott Peck who wrote a book called The Road Less Travel, but he wrote another book after that book blew up about his obsession with these sort of monoliths and mm. these stone structures yeah. everywhere. And it was him and his wife, and it sort of chronicles this, you know, journey that he went on. And he talks about this sort of sacred nature of a lot of these places and right. how you can find them just sort of off the highways in certain mm, places. Even yeah. Stonehenge has like a highway right next to it. And uh, when I saw it, it is, it does, it did have like a legitimate feeling of like, like I was overwhelmed by it, even though I was like expecting it to sort of be like kind of disappointing and cliche. Right, it's like it's just a bunch of rocks and yeah. tourist trap. But it- something in it is so crazy because you're just like this is older than anything i can really fathom and right. uh, it i do think there's yeah something to be said for that kind of sacred like it, it, it hits you still there's a respect you respect yeah. that's a great word yeah exactly yeah like a, just a respect for what it is well white shell provincial park it, it's um it has tons of these petroforms and i'm going to show you guys some pictures oh, of the petroforms and then you guys can talk about those as i tell you some more about them here um, do you want me to explain it yeah you explain. Just, you can scroll through that a little bit Okay, we got some petroforms here, folks. <laughs> Our audio listeners, we got some, yep, we got some rocks that are in a shape, and it always 
Oh, I tell you, one of them is in the shape of what looks like to me, what do you say, a turtle? That yeah. looks like a turtle. It does yeah. look like a turtle. I would agree. Like a circular shape house. with like a few limbs coming off of it. Yeah, so how did they protect these things from getting vandalized? They didn't. And actually, there's been really? some cases of vandalizing <clears throat> that like has with, happened. Yeah. Like to- knocks, uh, rocks have gotten toppled over by people. Um, but it is a protected. Whoa. It's a protected area, so you don't. Interesting. Fuck with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at a bunch of rocks in di- in different shapes on the ground. Yeah, definitely not the the size and like grandeur, but definitely a spe- very specific shapes. I would say. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think they used those? Like, what do you think those were for? You think it was art? You think it was like a place to put your fire? You think they were just fucking bored and they were like, oh, this fucking medicine man's boring the shit out of me. Let me just like do some fake doodles in the ground here with rocks. <laughs> um, I, it, you know what it reminds me of? You had told me about in the Anunnaki conspiracy right. episode about something in Peru where, yeah. where ancient peoples had made these lines on mm-hmm. the ground in different shapes yeah. and no one was quite sure what they were for. The Nazca lines. The Nazca lines. Oh. Thank you. What, like long, long lines? So huge. they're, they're huge. huge. Like you can supposedly see them from space and the best place to view them is like up like 150 feet in the air. So they have these towers built where like spectators can go up and see it. But they're giant, like miles long, uh, petroglyphs of like you know like a rooster and a bear and stuff and there's hundreds of 50s uh, 150 of them and they're finding more all the time but they're so big that as you're walking you just think it's like boulders on the ground you wouldn't even notice that maybe it was man-made but when you go back at a distance like up in the air Uh high in the air you can see that it's it's a shape of an animal Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about it in our Anunnaki episode. Yeah, but that's wild. Yeah. And it's and people th- aren't really sure what those are for either. They theorize perhaps they were um, mimicking what they saw in the sky. Like perhaps there was constellations, things like that, that they had seen. Or maybe sense. it's, you know, talking about their stories or whatever. But but these are much smaller. These are exactly. I will say these the Nazca are... lines are miles long. These are like if for our audio listeners picture, maybe three feet some of these yes yeah like three to ten feet yeah. long perhaps yeah so um people have theorized that they they were as astronomical markers perhaps religious or sacred or healing things and perhaps they allowed people to teach different practices like if we were to write on a whiteboard like this is a turtle who knows maybe they're like this is a turtle i don't know but there's this thing called a mnemonic device have you guys heard of this mnemonic mnemonic you kind of use it to you use it to remember things Oh, yeah. I had never heard of this. Yeah, mnemonic. Yeah, it's spelled M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. It's It's mnemonic? Yeah, it's like PEMDAS. Right when yeah. you're right. learning, when you're learning math, yeah. yeah. So okay, you guys know what it is. I didn't know what it was, so I thought this was fascinating. Uh, <laughs> it some, is fascinating. Yeah. Though. So some yeah. examples are like Roy G. Biv yeah. is mm-hmm. like how you remember all of the colors in the rainbow. It's like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Or knuckles, like you can say the months on your knuckles. Apparently, that was like one of the examples. Mm. There was a huge, cute list on Wikipedia about them, and I found this. The um, this one I thought was the coolest. The first 15 digits of the mathematical constant pi can be encoded as, quote, now I need a drink, alcoholic, of course, after the heavy lectures involving quantum mechanics, end quote. 
and now has three letters, which represents the first number, which is three, oh, and then I, I is one, and yeah, it's interesting, cool. right? Yeah. Anyway, so the petroforms are thought to perhaps be some of these mnemonic devices. We don't really know because secrets, and also sometimes these petroforms were made by non-literate cultures who really didn't leave any record of whatever reasons led them to construct them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the oral history was passed down among many native people over many hundreds of years, and we, we don't we don't know what it is what um what year around about you know what era are we talking about here you may have already mentioned this but do you know like when this is this civilization would have so there they have done some uh research on the park and they found tools from over six thousand years ago so it's i mean they're rocks so they're really really old so it's hard to know how long they've been placed somewhere and they're dating all these times but this area because it was uh, you know it was like a place where people would come and do these teachings or these ceremonial rights or whatever they they found evidence of people being in this being in this park like six thousand years ago wow. there's a lot of mining that goes on there too because it's really that area has a big quartz vein that runs through it mm. there there's a bunch of silver there there's a bunch of copper and that's kind of how they know there were people there six thousand years ago because they found evidence of people mining copper interesting interesting right so like i said no one knows exactly what those petroforms are for but it's theorized that some are astronomical markers or like astronomical calendars which had rocks aligned to the solstice and the equinox and sunrises and sunsets. And they're usually found higher up on ledges uh, and cliffs because the higher ground would allow humans to observe the horizon and mark and measure astronomical events. And some of these rock alignments point out four or more directions, also lunar events and the rising Mm. and the setting of Mm -hmm. planets. They point out stars. And some are even thought to have pointed out like supernovas or things that happened, like astronomical events, like a comet, things like that. And that was their way of record keeping. Like I said, we're not we're not exactly sure. They also think that some of them might have been used in more complex ways, like mapping the sky and the ground out mm-hmm. and maybe for ceremonies that help to memorize some of the oral stories and songs that have been passed down. It's been suggested that megalithic monuments, including Stonehenge, may have incorporated mm. important astronomical alignments. And that's kind of where we're getting this idea of what maybe these mm. were used for. We're not sure. So basically, point is, the park is full of these petroforms and its namesake is a reference to the petroforms, which we believe were used to communicate things about space and magic. Right. So, like I said, the park is full of precious metals and stones and archaeological evidence of ancient copper trading. And there's prehistoric quartz mining there. And there's the stone tool they found that was 6,000 years old. So I'm going to show you guys a piece of quartz right now. And oh, you can heck kinda yeah. look at it. I'm, try- I'm trying to well, trying to be interactive here. Well, Natalia's passing that to Elliot. I just had a thought. Do you think in 6,000 years from now... When archaeologists are excavating like this building, they're going to find Let's like they're going to find yeah recording of this podcast and language will have evolved so much that they won't be able to understand it. And they'll right. be like, well, we think that this was because there was a sacred ceremony going yeah. on. But we're just talking shit. Yeah. It's funny <laughs> on TikTok, a lot of the indigenous creators will like make fun of the fact that everyone always attributes like these spiritual sort of like prolific meanings to anything that has to do with um, indigenous people and they like joke about it and they're like we're like literally just like Existing. eating a sandwich like yeah, sometimes you know? yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. yeah and then they'll joke that like everyone's looking at them and like thinks that they're a shaman and they you know they'll like pretend to be a shaman just to, yeah it's, just funny. it's funny it's funny it's funny well elliot what do you think of this piece of quartz do you want to describe it you know i mean are you guys uh yeah it's a uh 
wonderfully uh, hefty piece of quartz. It's geometrically shaped and it's pointed at the end and it feels nice to hold. And it's, uh, yeah. I don't know, are you guys a crystal, crystal people? Well, sort, you know, I'm all, it can't hurt. That's what I say. It can't hurt yeah, me. Can't hurt. Right? And it's a, it's they're pretty. fun. And they're, it's, they're pretty. They're and beautiful. They're, nice. they're pieces of nature that you can bring old. into your home. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think it's really amazing that the earth made this. Like, you know, you look around and you see organic materials like dirt and trees and things like that. But like this, this clear rock yeah. that looks like a piece of Incredible. glass. Yeah, like, what that the has fuck? a prism when you shine light yeah. through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. it's um, pretty crazy. It reminds me of the, um, you know, the old like alchemists and that kind of thing. Who yeah. Would, they would go through and copper and silver and all that and they'd try to make gold and do different things and uh, it was like a precursor to science but still had some kind of spirituality attached mm -hmm. to it and yeah. then eventually it sort of fell by the wayside but the the idea of of, of these things having certain uh, characteristics Properties. to them is neat. Yeah, yes, like I magical like healing properties. Well, that's exactly why I brought this quartz because quartz is known as the master healer. Do you guys, either one of you know anything about quartz? I, I feel mm. like Alyssa might know something about crystals. I believe... But I also could be wrong. I believe that quartz is associated with love, I thought. Mm. Quart yeah, the uh, rose quartz. Rose quartz. Okay, rose that's quartz what I'm remembering. Specifically. It's so pink. this clear Feminine white energy. quartz. Yeah, this clear white quartz is known for amplifying energy by absorbing it or storing it or releasing it and regulating it. It's also said to aid concentration and memory. Mm. And physically, if you put clear crystals on your body, they're supposed to help stimulate the immune system and balance out your entire body. So... I don't know, but like maybe the people who use this land that have this big quartz vein running through it that were doing these sort of medicinal like ceremonial things, maybe they were onto something. I don't know. You know, it's weird. Who's right? to say? Who's to say? So now we kind of have an idea. Now you're getting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? So now we kind of have an idea about the history of this park and what this land means to the people who live there. So let's take ourselves back to that fateful day in May of 1967. That's May 20th. 1967. Mm. Stefan Michalek is a mechanic and he's an amateur geologist. He's up early prospecting for quartz and silver near a large quartz vein in the Whiteshell Park. Around noon, he takes a break, he has a light lunch, and then he gets back to chipping away at the quartz vein, looking for quartz and silver and just precious things. It's, it's a hobby and a passion of his. This has been a very quiet area. He's been working all day. He's been by himself. To get to the place where he is today, you have to take a horseback. Sometimes you can access it by helicopter. You could trudge through it, but like I said, there's swamps. But suddenly he hears something really strange and it kind of startles him. It's the frightened cackling of geese nearby. So he looks up and he sees something. What do you guys think he sees? What do you think he sees, Elliot? I'm going to venture a guess that it's something circular and hovering above, not unlike what one might call a UFO. <gasps> wow. I see. I mean, I was going to go a different direction and be like, did he see a monster? But right. yours makes way more sense. Well, yeah. We don't know the answer yet, though. You're right. right. Who's to say? Okay, all Who's right. to say? Yeah. That's true. Hey, are they one and the same? Exactly. Are UFOs living, breathing creatures? Oh, well, see, that's wow. actually, we'll get to it. So he looks up and he sees two glowing objects descending towards him. The objects start lowering towards the ground and they're in a formation. 
they keep a constant distance between the two of them. They're operating mm. like a single unit, although it's two separate. He reasons that they're communicating. They're together. Yeah. It's not like they both mm-hmm. just showed up here mm-hmm. randomly. They're together. That'd be embarrassing. Oh, I thought you were coming. Oh, I thought you were doing the... I thought you were going to mind the... I thought the... you were doing Yosemite. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of these ships stops right next to him, and it hovers. And Mikalik has never seen anything like this in his life. He's just staring at it. As he's staring, the second ship continues to the ground, and it lands right near where he's kneeling. It's only about 45 meters away from him. There's still a craft still in the air, and that craft ascends and disappears. It leaves in an instant. It's like he blinked and it was gone all of a sudden. It sort of slowly hovered up and away, and then when it got to a certain point, boom, it was gone. Perhaps it moved so quickly he couldn't even see it. We don't, we don't know. And it's dead silent. He can hear these like mechanical whirrings and things that are happening in this what appears to be a parked UFO on the rocks 45 meters away from him. He's a mechanic and he has some sort of experience with mechanisms and mechanical things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm talking out of Carburetors. my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about mechanics. So he, he knows there about gears and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He's listening and he can hear sort of whirring, like he thinks maybe there's... Clicking, perhaps. Yes, like hissing, humming, Mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm, sounds mm -hmm. of mechanics. He really doesn't know what he's looking at. He's never seen anything like this before in his life. So he takes out his sketchbook and he starts sketching it. And he spends the next 30 minutes just sketching what he sees. And he keeps expecting this craft to leave, but it doesn't. It's just still there. And so he gets really detailed on his sketch. This is his sketch. You guys want to take a look at it and let me know what you think of it? Oh, wow. Elliot's turning the laptop to show to me right now. What do you think that looks like? (sighs) That looks like a fucking UFO. I would say it looks like a UFO. Picture a shallow bowl Uh and then take another shallow bowl and glue them together, right? Yeah, that yeah. would be the most succinct def- like way of describing a UFO I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Like, yeah. a, like a saucer. Right. right. One might like say a saucer. flying saucer. Sa- yeah. Some might right. say. But yeah, that's uh, really cool. I mean, very cool. And it looks like it has an opening on the bottom, like some type of door, maybe? Yeah, yeah. 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 So he sketched this out. It looks like we said, a, a flying saucer. And then on the bottom, there's some holes. It looks like a grid, sort of shape. They described it as lozenge shape, but I don't know what that is. And I, a it's a lozenge? diamond. Yeah, it's weird. I Googled what a lozenge was. It's like a rhombus shape or a diamond mm-hmm. shape, which are two mm. different shapes. So why would they make a new word to describe two different shapes? I don't know. If you guys <laughs> understand it, let me know. So he's curious, you know, as one is when there's a UFO that lands yeah. near you. one's interest. He puts on his protective goggles so that he can look at this craft safely because it's emanating this really, really bright, bright light. Through his goggles, he sees that the craft is scarlet red, but then it fades to a stainless steel sheen. He reasons that it must be very, very hot. He witnesses this craft go from glowing scarlet red to a stainless steel. And he sees a hatch on the side of the craft, and the craft opens. The hatch opens to reveal a diamond-shaped opening about two feet by three foot in size, and he feels warm air coming off of the craft in gusts. Each wave of this warm air smells like sulfur. 
Have you guys ever smelled sulfur? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you want to describe what it smells like? Good old rotten eggs. Yep. Farts, right? Farts. Rotten eggs, farts, poop. Yeah. Bad farts. Bad stuff. Yeah, like, bad times. Bad times. It doesn't smell good. Open sewer systems. So you yeah. would know yeah. when you're smelling sulfur, it would be like overwhelming. Yeah. 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 One time in Oklahoma, we, oh my God, these these times, that's hard to go back. Okay. One time in Oklahoma, we went on a lake trip and this lake was actually not a lake. It was just like an old mine that had they had filled with water, uh-huh. but it reeked of sulfur and because it was that like an old mine and we went like swimming in there and all over our life jackets and stuff we got tar on us and we're like trying to scrub the tar out of these life jackets because it wasn't even our lake house we were like going to a friend's lake house this i'm not saying this but this is like some redneck bullshit guys right now i was gonna ask because you smelled it and then jumped in yeah well everyone else was and i was just like this is fine i see you know it It wasn't if you grow up in oklahoma i feel like everyone has a boat or they like do like lake shit my family did not they were like that is too much for us we we (laughs) We cannot do that yeah but I really like doing those things. So you go with friends. And this particular time we went with friends to a lake and it wasn't a lake. It was yeah, uh, a flooded mine with sulfur in with it. Sulfur, yeah. And you smelled like shit for days. And now you have that. superpowers. Yeah, is that, is that why? Mm-hmm. You is, will at some point. Is that haven't. why? It just hasn't kicked in yet. This diamond shape opening happens and then there's warm air coming off. It smells like shit. He hears this tiny electric motor whirring and air hissing, but it's quiet mainly. He's looking for identifying decals on the side of this UFO because he's thinking, oh, perhaps this is like the Air Force, the United States Mm -hmm. Air Force. This is around the Cold War. He really thinks that he's seeing some like new secret, whatever you want to call it. Drone or whatever they would say back then. Yeah, he doesn't even know. And then as that's happening, light starts shining from the upper circle of the craft. And it's so bright that the ground is purple where the light is hitting it. And the light emanating is so bright that it outshines the sun at the time. And this is like the noon midday sun. So super bright. He looks away and his vision is obscured by bright spots, sort of like if you looked at a flash. He decides, you know what, I'm going to check this out. He moves a little bit closer and he's kind of scared when he moves closer because he's not sure what's going to happen. Like, is this a bomb? Is it just going to blow up on my face? Am I going to get shot by top secret people who are like, you're not allowed to see this? Why are you here? Is it radioactive and Mm -hmm. now he's going to have boils on his face? Exactly. So he moves a little bit closer. He gets within 60 feet of it. He he, he takes a couple steps forward. He waits. He's like, am I going to dissolve? What's happening? I don't know. Nothing happens. He keeps getting closer and closer until he can hear voices. And the voices are so distinct to him that he can tell they're human voices. There's two voices, one's higher pitched than the other, but he can't tell what they're saying. It's like mumbled because this whirring of the engine. So he literally holds his breath to hear better. He decides that he's going to try to communicate with them because at this point he's like, well, clearly I've already been exposed. I've like walked up towards this thing. Nothing's happened. And so I'm just going to be like, what's up, guys? So he says something. What do you think he says? Hi. <laughs> Does- My name is Pet- <laughs> Yeah, I'm from Poland. I'm right. From Poland. Uh, I l- I'm here mining. How are you? Mm, close. He goes... Okay, Yankee boys, having trouble? Come on out and we'll see what we can do about it. I love this man more than anything. (laughs) What a wonderful genius person. What did he say? Come on, Yankee boys. Okay, Yankee boys, having trouble? Come on out and we'll see what we can do about it. 
Brilliant move. Love really it. disarm it. And also he thinks he's a mechanic. So maybe he's thinking like, yeah, we'll f- fix it. I've never seen a boat yeah. like this or whatever it is. But, you know, like, whatever. I'll, I'll fix it. Fake it till you make it, right? If yeah. you're not quite yeah. sure what's in front of you, don't let them know that you're caught off guard, right? Yeah. And the art of war. Not to, not to make it about me, but I... Uh, for a moment, uh, the uh, the instinct when I saw my shadow person of going, okay, these are just my friends freaking right. out, is like a defense mechanism of yeah. like, right. oh, it's okay, all right, guys, come on out, okay. I all know right. it's you. I know you're yeah. you're pranking me. I understand. You can't get to me, so yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. sort of his. Uh, yeah, he's freaking out. Yeah, that's a really good point. He thinks that this is a military craft because this lake that he's at isn't far from the American border and it's also Cold War time. So he's like, oh, like secret military testing, right? No reply comes from the craft. But at this point, he's already exposed himself. So he's like, I might as well just go up to this and see what is happening. These things know that I'm here. If they have this advanced craft, they like already know that I'm here. Right. You know? This is a guy who wakes up in the morning and goes and tries to find rocks by himself for fun. Probably prospecting, prospecting yes. regularly. Yeah. Uh, so he's got his own thing going. Yeah. Right. Well, and also he's, he's in curious. the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. What's the alternative? Try yeah. to run into a forest? See, uh, yeah. like away from like a Like what's he going to do? Yeah. He gets closer to the craft As he gets closer, he sees inside of that hatch that's opening, and he sees that there are lights everywhere inside. He calls them focused beams, and they're shining across the interior. Like, picture, like, if you've been to a light show, like, the you know, lights. You've been to a light. Picture lights, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So imagine uh, lights. Yeah, exactly. Love it. He sees a series of flashing lights that are switching on and off, and and it seems like they're just random sequences. He doesn't really know what he's seeing. He steps away and the craft just remains motionless. Then he's looking at the outside of the craft and he sees that there's no sign of welding or seams. It's almost like it's just one giant piece of metal and he thinks this is really cool. He's never seen anything like that. All of the technology that they had at the time, you could see where things had been welded together or bolted together. He reaches out with his gloved hand and he touches the side of the craft to kind of like feel what it is. Bold, bold move. Very bold. Right? It's really hot. It's so hot that it melts his glove instantly. Just then at that exact second that he touches the craft, almost like he woke it up, the entire craft tilts to the side and then Mikalik feels a scorching pain happen across his chest. His shirt instantly catches on fire. What? So he turns away from the craft instinctively and he tears off his shirt and undershirt because they're on fire. As he's doing that, he feels a rush of air behind him. He turns around and the craft had started to lift up above the treetops. And it was continuing to rise. He watched it rising. And then just like its sister craft, it disappeared instantly. The second that this happens, Michalik starts feeling really nauseous. And he has this splitting headache. It's so bad that he breaks into a sweat and he starts vomiting. He knows that he's sick. He knows that he just has been badly burned. Something's happening to him on a physiological level. He's vomiting. He's sweating. He doesn't feel good. He knows he needs to get to medical help. So he puts on his light jacket and he just starts just triapsing through the bush to get back to where he came from. He knows that he's going to need medical attention. He's feeling sick this entire way back. And as he's looking around trying to make his way back, he sees these pink dots imprinted over everything he can see, almost like there was images sort of burned into his eyes. 
he keeps vomiting. He's fighting to remain conscious as he's walking back to where he came from. His chest is searing red. There's marks all over it. He looks down and he sees that the jacket he's wearing is hurting the burn marks. He continues moving back. When he finally gets to the highway, he flags down a Mountie, a Canadian police officer, and he speaks with him. The police officer thinks that he's drunk because he's like sweating. He's vomiting, babbling, shirtless, babbling. You know, when you see someone who's like really drunk and they're like on fire and, (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I have the police report that was taken down. If you guys want to take a look at it. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So it begins 20 May 67. One. This is paragraph one. At approximately 3 p.m. this date, I was patrolling pathway number one, one half mile west of Falcon Beach, Manitoba, when I noticed a man walking on the south shoulder of the highway towards Falcon Beach. He was wearing a gray cap, brown jacket with no shirt, light colored trousers, and carrying a brown briefcase. Two, this subject, upon seeing the police car, began waving his arms excitedly. I turned around on the highway and drove back to see what he wanted. He shouted to me to stay away from him. I asked him why, and he replied saying that he had seen two spaceships. He said I might get some sort of skin disease or radiation if I came too close. He seemed very upset. I asked for some identification, and he gave me a document pertaining to prospecting, which showed his name as Stefan Mikalak of 314 Lindsay Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Well, dox him. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Dang. We'll bleep that out for you. Three, I inquired as to the circumstances surrounding his unusual experience, and Mr. McCulloch related the following story. He apparently had been prospecting approximately one mile west and two miles north of Falcon Beach. About 12 noon, he sighted the two spaceships. He said they were rotating at a high rate of speed and emitting a red glow. The spaceships landed near him, and he reportedly touched one. The exhaust, or some sort of hot substance, came off the spaceship, burning his shirt, chest, and hat. The spaceships remained a while, how long he was not certain, then flew away. He left the bush to get medical treatment. 4. Michaela showed me his cap, the back of which was burnt. I wanted to examine his shirt, however he would not let me, and kept backing away every time I got too close to him. As far as I was able to determine, the back of McCallick's head was not burnt. It appeared to me that McCallick had taken a black substance, possibly wood ashes, and rubbed it across his chest. At no time during my conversations with McCallick would he allow me close enough to him to definitively see whether or not he was actually injured. I asked him why his hands were not burnt if he had touched the spaceship, and he would not answer me. At my request, he drew a diagram of the spaceship which appeared to be saucer-shaped. 5. I could not smell the odor or liquid on McCallick. His general appearance was not dissimilar to that of a person who has overindulged. His eyes were bloodshot and when questioned in detail, could or would not answer coherently. I offered to drive him to Falcon Beach and arrange for someone to treat him, but he declined, saying that he was all right. 6. Approximately one half hour later, he came to the detachment office and asked for me. He would not enter the office. Hmm, what do you guys make of that? I don't know. So much, so many options there. I know, it really is. Um, I guess the main thing that I'm noticing right away, right, is he is burned. 
Right. Or appears to be burned. But it's interesting that the officer says it looks like he's just rubbed yeah. ash across himself. But how right. do you even determine what that looks like? Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, it could it could be a psychotic break. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but it, it does. It does have that kind of like thing that seems to be a theme with UFOs and aliens where there's always an option to not believe it. Like there's right. always, a, it's almost like- There's always a skeptic point of view. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it always allows for it. It's never definitive proof. There's never like a, well, clearly this guy touched a plasma-like substance that melted his glove. I'm just curious, if, did they mention anything about the glove or any pictures of the glove that was yeah. supposedly melted? There's actually a ton of evidence that comes off of this because yeah, he says this to this cop. This cop is like basically this guy's a fucking lunatic you know yeah. he's acting like he's out of it maybe he's tried crack or whatever they had in 1967 I don't know yeah. Yeah. this is a crackhead basically is the vibe that I'm getting from that police report the officer offers to give him a ride which he refused and I wrote like I would too the cop's skeptical you know yeah, like if I went up to a cop and I was like hey um, some aliens just came and touched me and the cop was like do you want to get in the back of the cop car and I'll help you I'd be like no you're going to take me to jail or something yeah. or like, put me in a hospital. drunk yeah, yeah like I don't know what's going to happen you're going to 5150 me and I'm going to be stuck in a hospital right yeah, yeah. I don't trust. So around 4 p.m., Stefan asks to speak with the owner of the hotel. He's been staying in this motel that's like kind of near Falcon Lake. He's stayed there plenty of times before because he comes to that place often to prospect. And so the owner knows him. He tells the owner that he needs a doctor and she looks at him once over. She says that he's covered in burns and he smells like sulfur and burnt motor. What? She says that his eyes are bloodshot and he seems really out of it. So he asked for a doctor only to hear that the nearest doctor was 45 miles away. So instead, he goes to his hotel room. He phones his wife and he tells her that he's been in an accident, but he's going to be okay. But he needs his son to come meet him at the bus terminal in Winnipeg and that he's going to take the next bus out of Falcon, which he does. He goes to a hospital in Winnipeg and they treat his burns, which later rose into welts. And he had headaches, diarrhea and blackouts for several weeks after. At the ER, everyone sees this guy, they see his burns, they hear his story, and then they're like, well, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? And then the government wants to get involved. So I'm going to show you some photos. I'm going to show you some photos of what he looked like in the hospital here. You can see the burns on his chest. You guys Uh want to describe that if you can see that? Yep, those are burns. Yes. uh, To our audio listeners, it appears as though someone or something placed dark burns slash marks. Right. Uh, in a grid-like yes. dot pattern, sort of yes. polka dots, uh, like you're playing. What is that when you know full of dots? Isn't that uh, a game? Connect like, Four. Connect Four. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, like a Connect Four game got uh, imprinted onto his belly. Yeah, right. Yeah, and these were examined by the doctors and at the ER, and they determined that they were um, that they were burns. And here's some evidence of his shirt that was burned and his cap. If you guys can see it. Oh wow. And uh, there's the a photo of the welts, what they turned into. Also, he got these like random welts on his body that in addition. Now that looks different than the grid like yeah. picture yeah. that we just saw. So it's like the that was burns over are time. morphing. Yeah. That was over time. So, so that part's very interesting because I can see somebody having a, a breakdown of some kind and burning themselves, melting their clothes. And right. I'm trying to keep one, you know, 
an eye out for the skeptical yeah voice, no, it's, but it's good that you do the welt part is uh really interesting i don't think that happens does that happen when you burn yourself maybe does it become welts later it, yeah it, yeah, it normal raises, healing? yeah okay yeah it turns well, into welts it's... but those welts were in a different they're spot in a different location yeah. than the original grid yeah because you know? i i cook a lot and sometimes i'm not very careful and if you get oil too hot and it splashes yes. on you you do like you can have little dots of br- of um, oh, yeah. red welts over time as okay. it's healing but Again, what I find interesting is in that first photo of him in the hospital, it's yeah. very obvious that it's a grid-like mm-hmm. burn. And now we're seeing a welt in a completely separate area yeah. from that grid-like burn. More amorphous. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So after this story takes off, several agencies want to know more, including the United States Air Force and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They went back to the original site where Stefan claimed the encounter happened and they collected several samples. So here's some more photos of the glove and the cap. You guys can see sort yep. of here. Not that interesting. Burnt glove. Well, burnt it's cap. burned. Yeah. yeah. And and to our audio listeners, you can go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram. And we'll post uh, the photo dump for this episode. So they take his nice. glove and his shirt and his cap and his tools and they test it at an RCMP crime lab. Now, do you guys know? Uh, do you know what RCMP is? Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Yes. I didn't know what that was. And so I was like, who? So I looked it up, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And this piqued my interest. I'm like, are they on horses? No, they're not actually on horses. And it seems like that was a thing that they used to do, but they don't do it anymore, except on this one day where they do what's called a musical ride. Have you guys heard of this? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I need you. This really doesn't have anything to do with it, but I witnessed this. And so now you guys need to see this too for a second. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Nice. Is it like a musical on horseback? Yeah. It's like incredible. Medieval times. Oh, it is. It's literally it looks exactly like medieval times, yeah. except for instead of the in knight's armor. Right. Yeah. They're in um, red police uniforms. Uh-huh. Well, I tell you, I'd have a great time at this event. <laughs> this looks right? like a hoot. So they go, they go like over 50 places in the country and they do these like horseback riding like formations. It's like synchronized swimming, but you're not in water. You're in a monster truck arena instead. Yeah. And it's like pretty incredible. Anyways, so you get the idea. I would be blasted drunk at that thing. That that sounds like a lot of fun. Some of these like these musical events or whatever, they even have like, um, what's it called? A reenactment before Mm -hmm. where they have like people dressed up and they're shooting each other and reenacting some sort of war or something. It's it's pretty fucking amazing. And the reason that I'm showing you this is because I need you guys to know that despite this whole musical ride thing I just showed you, <laughs> apparently the RCMP have more power in Canada than the FBI has in the U.S. Oh, so interesting. I didn't know that. So they're more intense than the U.S. police. Their motto is, quote, defending the law. And most laws in the United States are state laws, and we don't have as many federal laws. And the FBI only investigates when federal laws have been violated. But mm-hmm. the RCMP can enforce all all laws since Canada's law system isn't based on individual provinces, but on federal laws. Interesting. So the RCMP, they're they're given more latitude and enforcement than the FBI is my point. Okay, I didn't know I was going to be learning a lot. So that, see, this that's is the pleasant, pretty cool. It's the pleasant surprise of our podcast. It really is. I would never have guessed. I would have, if anything, up until today, thought the RMCP was like a, 
lesser version of the like a security guard, like right. I, yeah. like a novelty. Like, I did I too. Never I th- would have imagined. I thought it was know. like the people that stand out of like outside of Buckingham Palace. Like right, it, it right. would be more, for show. Yeah, it's like more of a tradition than yeah. anything. But no, apparently they fucked. Damn. Like I don't know, right? <laughs> so do we have any RCMP listeners out there? Write us an email about the most haunted shit you've seen at your job. Mm-hmm. Let's get hauntedpod at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you you guys look into this musical ride thing, there's so much about it that I'm not going to talk about because it could be its own episode, but it's, it's so crazy. Um, but uh, can you guys imagine if the FBI went around on horses doing reenactments to like 80s power jams for us to watch at our leisure? <laughs> That's like, I feel like America is too... Uh, dark in order right. for us to it's have. Too, that's too much fun for us. Yeah, right. yeah. Like they need to start doing that because I feel like the U.S. police force has had some really bad publicity lately. <laughs> they yeah. do, and that's what they need to do. Here's what we need: we need uh the best and the brightest of the U.S. police force to get together and do a trapeze. <laughs> they gotta dance around. Yeah, come on, do some trapeze <laughs> yeah. stuff for us. Right. Like, do some synchronized swimming. Yeah, they could dress Spice up as up the, the yeah. forefathers and Relax. whatever. Come on. I know, our military has a choir. Why can't our police force have really? a gymnastics uh, team? Our military. Do they also have a ping pong team or is Forrest Gump fake? Well, that's a trick question. Oh. Because Forrest Gump is fake. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I do think they did used to have a ping pong. I don't know if they still do. They probably do. Anyways, so the RCMP, they examined all the stuff from the site and they went back to the encounter site several times because at this point, all these agencies are really interested. The, U- the United States Air Force is kind of like, oh, uh, no, that's not ours. But whose is it? Or is it ours? You know, like, you know how the Air Force is. They yep. like they're going to be weird about this. Yeah. And the Canadian police is like, well, if there's like, you know, some random military shit going on. We need to look into this. Mm-hmm. Like, who the fuck knows what's in there? Right. Who's Isn't say? it funny that they have to say it like that? Yeah. Like they can't just be like. It might be aliens. Yeah. Like you can't just admit that you're just a bunch of boys wondering if it's aliens. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like just, just say it. Just be honest. Well, maybe it's a threat in this military. No, you know what you think it is. I feel like part of the reason why they say that, though, is so that they don't get turned down for funding. Because right. if it was, yeah, if yeah. it was just they have like, reasons. yeah, right. That's true. That makes sense. Like we have so much more funding going into the military than we do anything oh, else. Yeah. Two billion dollars a day. Another side Ooh. note: if you want to learn something, recently I was like looking into ways to like get rich quick, basically. And have you guys seen that movie um, where they go, they like sell arms to the United States? Uh, yes, what's war it dogs. Yeah, yes, war dogs. That's real. I went to that yeah. website and I was looking at shit. And they okay, so all of the bids have a minimum of $25,000, right? So like if there's something on there, you will make $25,000 if you can fill the bids. And one of them was 250 backpacks for $25,000. So you could literally go to fucking Oakley, buy 250 backpacks, give it to the United States government, and they would give you $25,000 for that. What? Yes. What? Are you for real? Yes. Go to that website. Like any go backpack? look through it. Or Dora the Explorer backpack? I mean, you, it You'd needs be to be- a real backpack. So what happens is, is different- <laughs> They're not going to take a Dora the Explorer Different backpack. people put bids on things, and so the government just goes which, with whichever one is the cheapest and like fulfills the criteria. So there were ones that were like, we need winter jackets. They must be able to withstand this amount 
amount of coal. Wow. They must have this many like pockets or whatever. But yeah, so my so point weird. is, is that they they have a fuck ton of money and they don't care what they yeah. spend it on as long as it's for the military. There's right. like no one being like, oh, we're spending too much on the military. There's like no check like that. So they they look at all this shit in these fucking crime labs. OK, <laughs> as I'm starting to tell this story more now, it's like devolving more. They look at all this shit in all these crime labs. That's what they're doing, though. Yeah. And no one can determine what caused the burns. Not the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, not the FBI, not the United States Air Force. No one can figure out what caused the burns. Also, the landing site is a circle about 15 feet in diameter. and So it, they can see it burned into the ground? Yes. It's devoid oh. of moss. No vegetation grows there. And you can see in other areas right next to where this landing happened, there is moss and vegetation. But this particular area won't grow moss and vegetation. Mm. They also took soil samples with samples of the clothing and they test them and they were radioactive, highly radioactive, so radioactive that they couldn't mail the samples across from agency to agency because you can't mail radioactive shit. So the pieces also that were chipped out of the cracks in the rock where this landing happened a year afterwards were still radioactive. And they found that metal had been somehow melted into the cracks in this area where this landing happened. And here is a piece of that metal, which is still radioactive to this day. He should wear a glove. (laughs) Should, absolutely. A bare hand holding a... Now, I will. Okay, I'm going to ask a question because I'm wondering if the skeptics are thinking of this right now. Now, you had just said that this is an area where they mine precious metals. Right. Could this metal melted into the rock actually just be something that naturally occurs there? (laughs) That's a great skeptical point. Could be, but it's radioactive. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. And so here is a picture of that site today. You can kind of see. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely it's like a burned... um, it, like dirt it yeah. looks like dirt and ash mixed together yeah. in this circular like in this a trailer circle. park but all the trailers are gone yes right? and it's right left, uh, yeah. yeah like you had a big pool right like right. an above ground pool yeah. that you would set up in your grass and then you dismantle it and now you just have this exactly like that that's yes. a great you yes. can tell yes. there was an event that occurred there at some point correct that was different than the rest and you can kind of see that quartz vein there too see sort of that yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah cool right yeah very cool despite exhaustive investigations by the air force and the rcmp they both classified the event as unexplained stefan stayed sick from this encounter in fact his health problems continued and they brought him to minnesota's mayo clinic the next year he's still sick in 1968 a year after this happens he has recurring burns show up on his chest. Oh. So that photo I showed you where the burns were in a different spot, yeah. that was like a year later. Damn. He has burns showing up on his chest. He suffers from blackouts. Doctors did a thorough investigation on him. They even sent him to a psychiatrist who came back with the report that he was, quote, very pragmatic and not likely to make up stories. They ruled out that he had hallucinated based off of their psychological investigations well, on sure, him. I'm sure they did drug testing when he was in the hospital, too. Yeah. And that would be in the report. If it, right. Because he had you no just, alcohol in his system. Because right. then why would you even investigate if mm-hmm. you'd just be like, this dude was on LSD mm-hmm. in a yeah. forest? Strangely enough, this started off and there was a ton of pieces of this radioactive metal, but through going back and forth between agencies, a lot of the pieces have been lost. And so Mm. all we have is that one piece that that strange man was holding in his bare hands. Right. I'm radioactive. Who cares? Yeah. It's crazy. We still have those poly... What do you call it? Poly- Polygraph? 
polygraph? Is that what, no the uh, polymorph things? Those stone. Oh, things? what is that? Uh, those, no, no, the, no. The, the, you just the showed the us. Just oh, sort of thing. right. Like, we were able to keep those. Petra, Petra, petroform, petroform. Petroform. Yeah. So yes. we have those that have survived bajillions of years. But boy, these pieces of evidence from the alien spacecraft <laughs> magically <laughs> right. keep disappearing. What's I know. going on? Right. I know. It's kind of weird, right. right? So today, if you go to that platform where this happened, it still doesn't grow any moss or vegetation, and it's still radioactive. Still radioactive? Still radioactive. And there's a full report on it, which we're not going to read because it's too long. But yeah. I, I'm going to link it. So if you guys want to look at the full report, you can look at the full report. They A, b- a bunch of shit happened. They kept going back to the spot because this was like a really big deal. Yeah. Right. They like had helicopters going out to this spot. They were trying to take all of the samples and everything that they could from here. So this was like a very highly trafficked, highly publicized case after the fact. And you guys have any questions before we get into the theories? So it sounds like he had radiation poisoning. Is that doesn't what you're it telling sound me? like it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't see anywhere that they said he had radiation poisoning. All of his symptoms are like in line with radiation poisoning. Mm-hmm. What um? What was the conclusion on his life? How did he uh? Did he live to a ripe old age, or did you say if he was? He no that certain... that's a good question. I think he you know I don't know. Let me look it up really quick. Yeah, because I'd be interested to know, like, did he develop cancer, yeah. for example, or did he lose all of his hair and teeth? Because we did a story about aliens in Russia where everyone who encountered these alien structures, like, lost all their hair, lost all their oh, teeth, really? got boils wow. on their face. Is that like radio? Like, radio yeah, radiation like... poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, is this him? He died at 83 in 1999. Okay. Okay. Is yeah. that him? Oh, yeah. It says Stefan was born in Poland. Okay, let's read his obituary. This is dark, guys. Stefan Michalak peacefully at Victoria General Hospital on Thursday, October 28th, 1999 at the age of 83. He was born in Poland, blah, blah, blah. Polish army, married, all this stuff. Sorry, I'm reading about his whole life. We only care about the alien thing. So we're like... He he survived by the aliens who (laughs) visited him. Still glowing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, may you glow forever in yeah, peace. Forever. <laughs> it doesn't say. It says it says geology became one of his hobbies and the reason for many trips oh, to the wilderness to see the world yeah. in a grain of sand. Anything. He was an accomplished painter. His canvases often reflect his love of nature. Left to mourn his passing wife, Maria, his daughter, Eva, sons, granddaughters, something, something, something. The family would like to thank the nursing staff at Victoria General Hospital for their kindness and How compassion. Do not mention the aliens. And the Department of Veterans Affairs for their generous assistance. Cremation has taken place. A memorial reception will be held. Yeah, it doesn't say how, but if he passed... It says peacefully, right? So maybe old age. I know 83 seems yeah. young now a days, but... Yeah, I don't know. It and doesn't... I guess I can see the family not wanting to be like... You know, they've had to deal with this their whole lives. That's true. And be like, well, we'll leave that part out. Yeah. We've also, we've interviewed um, somebody before on this show who had an alien encounter. And I do feel like families don't want to mention that. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. 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 I don't think uh, it's a popular thing among no. relatives. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, his son is pretty open about what really? happened. Yeah. After the fact, he'll talk about it. So I'll get into some of the theories and, and we'll talk about his okay. son. The theory number one is like the least cool theory, but it's that it was a hoax. People say that it was a hoax because there were a few days that passed between the incident and the RCMP going to the site. And people say that he could have planted evidence there. But his son, who did an interview for the Winnipeg Free Press in 2017, 
says that the RCMP wanted to take his dad to the landing site, which meant going for like a hike through all of that bush. And at the same time, his doctor said he wasn't fit to do so. He was like really sick, bedridden with burns all over his body and throwing up and having blackouts. The son, quote, says the RCMP pleaded with him and said, look, draw some sort of sketch so we have a reference when we go plodding around. And then from memory, dad drew a site map of the spot he had been. He even put a compass reference and showed the direction of flight where they landed and distances to the forest lines, the height of the rock, everything. He put it all in there from memory and everything he drew on the map is perfect. It's exactly right, including the compass reference. And he said that he also, he went to that site for a particular reason. The year before he had gone out there and he located a few nice rich veins of quartz like the photo I showed you guys. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to put in a few mineral claims because he wanted to find gold and nickel there. Stefan was also very familiar with the spot, but Stan said that no one could find the spot without his map until years later. Then people started geocaching Mm -hmm. the spot with Stefan's coordinates because it was so exact. So the point being that he drew this this map. I'm showing you the map. That's super accurate. If you follow the map, you can find exactly where he is, what he's talking about. It all lines up. He like put a, like a ledge in there and everything. But people aren't able to find the spot without the map because it's so difficult to get it's to. It's in such a remote area. Yes. I mean, hoax or not, which I'm not in that camp. Uh, cool guy. Yeah. Uh, anybody who can just draw stuff like that from memory, it's so impressive. Absolutely. Right? Well, I mean, he, you, like we said, he goes prospecting for rocks for by and himself. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's a very special person. Goes trudging through the marsh, you know, miles away from civilization. Yeah. Right. Theory number two, people say that he was either drunk or hallucinating, but I respond to that by saying there was no alcohol in his system. He didn't smell like alcohol. The only thing that he smelled like, according to the person who smelled him, um, was sulfur. And people who say he was hallucinating, he was found to have not been hallucinating by the psychologist that or the psychiatric person, whatever, who was like interviewing him. And also he seemed totally coherent to everyone at the hospital that he told the story to. His story never changed, ever. So people think that he was like a stand-up guy. Also, like, you have to be, like I said, he, you know, he's going prospecting for rare minerals. Like, he's, like, kind of, I would assume, a smart person. Right. You know? I I have a little bit of a issue there. I feel like, okay, so there's this thing, and I don't know if this is true, but it's like, I'm almost more skeptical when people's stories don't change at all because right. most people, like at least from what I've heard, you have an event or a childhood memory, you you change it as you get older, like it yeah. kind of morphs a little bit. Right. So if he's if he's year after year saying the exact same thing verbatim, that right. does in my mind kind of make the the hoax option kind of kind of that bulb up. starts yeah. yeah flashing a little bit. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, I don't want to believe that though. Right. So I won't. Well, even Stefan himself didn't believe that this was a UFO. So my third theory is military testing. So Stan Stefan's son said in this article for the Winnipeg, uh, Winna, for the whatever the fuck I said, that yeah. press, whatever, Canada shit. Right. His son said, quote, he never actually believed this was a craft from another world. He believed that it was an American research craft. And every time we talked about it, logic would dictate that we had nothing technology wise that was that advanced in 1967. So it must have been otherworldly. But when he would say that to his dad, like, we don't have technology like this. It must be otherworldly. Quote, dad would roll his eyes and say, well, yeah, but how do we know that? We don't. 
So his dad really thinks like this is just really advanced military equipment. Mm-hmm. Stan said time went by where no one talked about the incident because they didn't have a reason to. And the first year after the incident was so intense and every so there it was like so crazy people approaching them and like camping out in their yard and trying to talk to them, get interviews from them that they they really didn't even like to talk about the event that much. And Stan mm-hmm. also says okay. that his, okay. his dad's account of what happened on May 20th, 1967 stayed with him until until he died in 1999 mm-hmm. and there, he said there so was no obituary it was there was no deathbed confession saying that the whole thing was a hoax no one ever came forward mm. to say they helped him with the hoax like and this stuff is radioactive that would yeah. be pretty yeah. okay. you would have I'm to be on. pretty <laughs> you would you have me. to be pretty i don't know if anyone knows how to make shit radioactive comment below is that even legal well, there is naturally occurring radioactivity, right? Like there's uranium right. mines that where that's you can true. go and mine those different radioactive minerals, right? Am I? Y- no, that's right. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, I so saw Homer Simpson does that. I okay. Think. Yeah, there you go. makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but this, you know, this area that where this landing happened, it's only radioactive in that 15 right. meter right. circle where it happened. Great point. Um. Also, he when he was in the hospital before he died, Stefan, the scar tissue underneath his skin from the circle could still be seen and felt on his abdomen. And his son even said, quote, in fact, one of the doctors at the hospital said, we found some very unusual scar tissue on your dad. And we all just said, yeah, we know. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. Right? Now we're going to get into like more of the haunted theories. Number four theory is that aliens are mining. Aliens were mining at this spot and they were worshipped as a cargo cult. Ah, uh. Allie, do you maybe want to explain that? Yes. Do you know what a cargo cult is, Elliot? I feel like, okay, my dude who cuts my hair is super into this stuff, and he told me about the cargo thing, uh, but I don't remember. Okay, so a cargo cult is actually like a real thing that happens. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So if you have like a remote tribe in the middle of the Amazon and an airplane- And they worship. They worship the- the, the, Yes. yes. Okay. So they'll see, so for our listeners who maybe didn't listen to our Anunnaki episode- what can sometimes happen is if there is a group of people in a very remote area who have never seen modern technology, never met anyone outside of their tribe or community, right. then let's say an airplane crashes in that area, or maybe an airplane's flying over and drops something in that yeah, area. Like medical, medical stuff supplies, or food. food. Yeah. Those people that are in that remote location will begin to worship that mm-hmm. thing that came and dropped and they'll stuff make down. like effigies of airplanes right. and cargo cults and they'll form so, religions so, so some, manna from heaven right so some people think jesus was an alien mm-hmm. who created a cargo cult right. if you want to go one deeper or that maybe you know people built the pyramids and that's right. why there's these depictions of flying crafts or something yeah. is because something like that happened yeah yeah and you know to sort of add fuel to that fire that aliens were mining and they're worshipped as a cargo cult that was a sacred land where we have those petroforms for millions or not millions for thousands of years rather where people were saying oh we don't know what they were saying but they something significant happened there Mm -hmm. and it was significant enough for them to fucking lug these heavy ass rocks and do shit Mm -hmm. with them also the quartz vein is there and remember according to um the crystal what is that Someone uh, is murdering someone in yeah. the floor above us. Yeah, so if you guys can hear any of that noise mm-hmm. in the background, it's okay. Report it to the police. Call nine one one if yeah. this episode never comes out. 
because yep. that means yeah. we die. We look right. like we have burns on us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so remember, according to the crystal beliefs, white crystal or quartz is considered a master healer and it amplifies energy by absorbing, storing, releasing, and regulating energy. It's also a said to aid in concentration and memory. And the crystals can help stimulate the immune system and balance out your entire body. Also, you can pair it with other stones like rose quartz and it's supposed to like enhance their abilities. So I don't know. I'm not an alien. Maybe this quartz helps in like the ship like take back off. Maybe it landed for something. Who's to say? Yeah, exactly. We don't know. There's there's too many. There's too many coincidences. And just to have fun with this uh, story, which is so wonderful. So thank you so much. Love this stuff. So fun. If it quartz helps with uh, memory, right. and the dude uh, just never changed his story, right? Hey! Maybe. Yes. Great point. Oh my gosh, gosh. he Great gets point. it. It ingrained it in him. Right, he really gets it. I mean, yeah, there's lots to unpack with this particular case because it is so well documented. There's actually a very famous ufologist whose name is I'm about to say his name. I'm uh, what is it? Who, uh, Chris Rutkowski, who's a Canadian ufologist, and he did this lecture for the University of Manitoba, where I got a lot of this information from. He's kind of like an expert in this. He, throughout the years, has kept all of those files and reopened the case and looked into it. And he says that, you know, this is better than Roswell because Roswell... The United States government says it didn't even happen. Right. They don't even acknowledge mm-hmm. it. This It was a weather balloon or something. Right. Yeah. Where this, we know exactly where it happened. We have multiple like government agencies getting involved in it. And the Canadian government not only says this happened, they also commemorated a coin uh, to this event, I think in 2018, where it's wow. like a UFO. Wow. Like they have their own commemorative coin. Gosh, Canada's so fun. They've got policemen on horseback doing synchronized dances. (laughs) They've got coins with UFOs on it. Meanwhile, in America, we're like experimenting with LSD on people against their will will. and then never acknowledging it and killing everyone who knows the truth. (laughs) Right. I know. It's it's totally fucked. It's just... um, yeah, so I don't know. What what do you guys think of this? What do you make out of this, of the radioactive stuff? And So interesting. Yeah. I had never heard it before. Definitely. I still can't we've believe definitely that. definitely never talked Wild. about it before. You've never seen that sketch? Because I kept looking at that sketch of the spacecraft being like, I've seen this. Okay, it looks similar to the sketch. We did a story very recently on Indrid Cold, who is an alleged alien entity that came to Earth, and somebody who saw him get out of his craft drew a detailed sketch of the craft. It looks like that. But, I mean, again, if all UFOs kind of look the same, is that more evidence pointing towards there being something that really does look like that. Like, are those flying saucers like their Toyota Camry? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. It seems that way. You know how uh, we've never done an episode on this. I think we'll do one in the future. But there's also different spaceships that supposedly look like black triangles. Yeah. Are those right. the Bentleys? Right. The alien world. Yes. And that's yeah. why they're less frequent. And those uh, are douchebags, maybe. Yeah. 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 They like yeah. get out with like, a, they look like, ja- like Jack Sparrow with like a bunch of fucking yeah. crystals uh-huh. and shit on them. And they're just huge assholes. Oh, Oh my god! That's yeah, so funny. it uh, it does. I mean, and then there's the cigar shaped. Yes, right. Yeah, the tic tac. Yes. That's like uh, the smart car of yep. the yeah, alien the universe. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's very their Roombas. And they just take them around. <laughs> yeah. over there, let them roam. <laughs> Um, yeah, <clears throat> super fascinating, unbelievably fascinating. I can't believe I've never, uh, also never heard this particular tale because it ha- does have everything you would want out of one yeah, of these uh, totally of these stories. The the amount of 
evidence, the consistency of the guy's story, the the humility with it. I, f- I feel like uh, my own, I mean, what are y'all's opinion? I mean, do you think, I, I tend not to go for the extraterrestrial hypothesis or ETH, I guess, as it's called mm, as no. much these days, but um, I haven't ruled it out either. But I tend to think it has some sort of spiritual or something connected with consciousness going on because um, it just seems like these these things always have some kind of like emotional tie to them. Mm-hmm. People end up either like like feeling terrible about it for the rest of their lives or feeling transformed for the rest of their lives. And then there's that whole walking up to it. You're hearing voices, uh, but you can't quite make out what the voices are. And it just always seems like there's something going on both, uh, which is why I would say like the hallucination idea seems uh, uh, not mutually exclusive from the idea of there being like the nuts and bolts idea of like i feel like it could be a little little both both. well also there's i mean there is a theory that um ufos and aliens are actually us just on another time it could be future us or it could be a thinning of the veil Mm -hmm. between parallel universes it could be i mean if Time is a man-made construct, right? Like, so what if time is not a line, it is a circle and it's someone from the past or someone from the future or someone from this time, but in another world that comes to that somehow we can see them for that brief moment, but our mind can't quite comprehend what we're seeing. It's like interstellar. Yeah. So we're like, it's a flying saucer. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a shadow man, but maybe it's something else. And that doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah, it's like there's some, whatever this phenomena is, whether it's the shadow person or the UFO, it always gets filtered into kind of the culture you were born in. And we were born in around a time where we're going to the moon. And so naturally we think it's space, but people beforehand were thinking, it reminds me of demons, yeah, yeah, and Moses and like the burning bush, like a hot burning bush that talks to you. I mean, it sounds not dis similar to what he was kind of describing. Right, because they didn't have technology. So they're like, yeah, we know about fire. We know about bushes. (laughs) Combine them together. It seems wrong. Talking. um, People do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ezekiel talks about, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, talks about um, seeing a chariot above them, but it had wheels within wheels. And so for them, a vehicle would be a chariot. Right. Uh, For us, it's a flying saucer. Have you ever heard of the theory that Moses and the burning bush is a story about Moses finding a DMT plant on fire and hallucinating? Yes, love it. I love it. Well, I just looked up um, how you make something radioactive. So this is the last thing that we'll say, but it says activation or radioactivation involves making a radioactive isotope by neutron capture, the addition of new neutron to a nuclide resulting in an increase in isotope number one while retaining the yeah. same atomic number. Activation is often an inadvertent process occurring inside or near a nuclear reactor where there are many neutrons flying around. For example, cobalt-59 has a large neutron capture cross-section, making it likely that co-59 in or near a nuclear reactor will capture a neutron forming from the radioactive isotope CO60. So that doesn't, that sounds hard, <laughs> I right? I just blacked that doesn't, out. I yeah, went to I didn't organic understand chemistry. Any of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, but my point is, like, that doesn't sound like something you could just rub sticks together and do. Yeah. That sounds like a huge scientific process where you would need, like, all of this controlled right. shit and, like, you know, it's a not lab. like... Yeah, it's not like beakers and stuff. Like that sounds like you're mm-hmm. you're doing crazy, like removing neutrons and adding. Oh shit. no, you some know? shit went down in that in that in that 
Canadian sacred Wilderness, ground for yeah. sure. <laughs> right, right. Uh, like I'm sold. I don't know what it was. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because to me, you could, you know, explain away the rest of the evidence and be like, yeah, he burnt himself with like a, a hot, you know, grid or something like that. Like he yep. like got a cheese grater and made it really hot and pushed it on himself and just kept doing yeah. that, you know, over time. Obviously, scar tissue is going to be there. He was just making himself throw up because he could just do that. You know, maybe he ate something to make him sick whatever you could just like all of that could be explained away but to me what makes this stand out so much is that it's the radioactivity of it yeah 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 and if i was out and i was a big mineral boy and i was like (laughs) i'm gonna find some gold in these hills and i'm going to be rich forever i don't know i would be focused on that i wouldn't be like like if you really think that there's gold in that and you're wanting to become rich, you're going to be, I would imagine that's where your head's at. Like, right. I don't think you have a lot of room in your brain to go, I'm going to go out there, pretend I'm looking for <clears throat> certain types of minerals that are going to make me rich forever. And then also, if I get bored in the morning, I might take, you know, a hot iron and start poking this out. <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. People do weird things. Yeah. And I will say too, um, when you were talking about the theory that people think he had a hallucination, it reminded me of when we talked about the alien domes found in russia and one of the theories in that story was that i guess there's some noxious gases that can leak from the earth in certain parts of russia and so Mm. people were saying oh no that's what the hallucination was it wasn't that these people took drugs Mm. it's that they uh breathed in this noxious gas so i was going to ask you do you know if there's like any sort of especially the smell of sulfur too Mm -hmm. that's an interesting yeah i don't i don't know like let me let me just quick check before we're okay sulfur hallucination no uh no i was going to say that winnipeg um noxious gases i don't even know what you would google to find that noxious gas yeah and Uh, then the other thing you said while you're searching that natalia the mm -hmm. other thing that you said elliot that jogged my memory was about how um you know like people in olden times they saw a chariot because that's the technology they had and how like your state of mind is what you see or your uh, like your hallucination or your interpretation of the ufo is a product of your time oh no now i just lost it again i know but it's cool though right it's really it's a fun idea well have you ever heard that like people with schizophrenia in the u.s often think that the government's after them but people with schizophrenia in africa or other other continents or countries will think like they'll hear the voices but the voices are nice and they're telling them, oh, clean your house. Yeah. Oh, like, go be nice okay, to your sure. neighbor. They're one with their Yeah, but we're so, like, yep. violent guys, and fucked up guys, here. listen to this. This just got thicker. Uh-oh. So according to this thing for the National Post, headline says, U.S. secretly tested carcinogen in Western Canada during the Cold War. <gasps> what? Researcher finds the U.S. Army secretly dumped a carcinogen on unknowing Canadians in Winnipeg and Alberta during the Cold War in testing linked to weaponry involving radioactive components Opponents meant to attack the Soviet Union, Whoa. according to classified what? documents revealed in a new book. It blew it up. Between July 9th, 1953 and August 1st, 1953, six kilograms of zinc cadmium sulfide was sprayed onto unsuspecting c- on. citizens of Winnipeg from U.S. Army planes. The Army returned 11 years later and repeated the same experiments. I Wait, mean, 11 years on. after 1953, what is that? 1964? Mm-hmm. And this happened in 1967. I mean, they, close enough. I would. Who say. knows? Okay. All right. Okay. So, so we've blown up the skeptic, <laughs> the most, the most common skeptic theory, or the one that's most, sorry, the most plausible skeptic theory. I think is this one. No, but 
I never agree with the skeptic theory on this show. I always think it's aliens. I love aliens. Now, what are aliens? That's what the big debate is, right? Right. right. But I tend to believe this man's story and that it was some sort of craft, alien craft that he saw. But I think as far as skeptic theories go, this is my favorite. This also says the zinc cadmium sulfide acted as a fluorescent tracer, which would help the U.S. Army determine how radioactive fallout from a weapon used on the Soviets would travel through wind currents. That's there's something there. Yeah. Uh, Damn. So I mean, j- I'm almost disappointed. But are you? That's crazy. No, I think right. that's crazy. It that's doesn't. Nuts. It doesn't. Is it crazy? Explain- it's not. But that means it's not a spaceship. No, hey, no. I'm telling you, I think it was a spaceship. Right. But as far, I'm just excited that we found a theory that yes. no one else has ever talked oh, absolutely. about before. Yeah. And good hunch on the Googles. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is cr- Noxious, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Noxious gases, Winnipeg. Yeah. You know, there's also a theory, too. I think this is the Star Trek theory that um, <laughs> basically, like, the aliens are seeing if humans are, like, so stupid that we're going to just, like, nuke ourselves to death. Yeah. Right. And they're, like, coming to check it out and being like, oh, yeah, they're really fucking stupid. Or they're, like, trying to decide whether they want to fuck with us or not. Like, they're not going to tell us about, like, the secret galactic organization if we're, like, barbarians who can't even figure out civilization. Yeah. We right. haven't earned our stripes yet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, Maybe they were coming down and they were like, yep, they're just as dumb as we thought we were. Okay, <laughs> see you later. Yep, exactly what we expected. All right. right, see ya. Yeah, like they're still hairless apes that are trying to kill each other. They go right. back and they're like, what did they say to you? And they're like, they said, hey, Yankee boys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you good now or something? We can't go back. Right. They're like, oh, yeah, you you saw the alien. What was he doing? He's like, well, he was had a hammer and was just hammering at rocks <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> by himself. We thought they were a lot smarter than that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Wow, that's, oh, my God. This even says radioactive material was injected into hospital patients without their consent and pregnant women. Why? First of this all, is crazy. Why? like. We got to stop doing stuff. Because yeah. the government spends $25,000 on 250 backpacks. That's what yeah. I'm trying to tell you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is that. Wow. I've never heard this story before. I love it. I love it. It's wonderful. I love the skeptic opinion. Normally, I hate the skeptic theories. I just think they're so boring. It's like, okay, all right, someone did heroin and saw Mm -hmm. a mystical pony. No, he's like, he saw a ghost. Yeah. So normally, I hate the skeptic theories, but I actually love this one because this one is like a conspiracy skeptic theory. So it's still haunted. It's still super fucking haunted. But that being said, I do think he saw an alien craft. That would make sense, too, that the United States Air Force was like, yeah, we just don't understand what happened here. (laughs) Unexplained. Doesn't make sense. Wasn't one of our crafts, uh, but we're still going to come investigate. Right. Let's uh, let's get rid of all of this uh, evidence. These like random pieces of metal and stuff. Seems so weird. It's fun to think that maybe, too, they were like, shit, an alien landed over here. We should probably make up some store. Oh, we were uh, we were (gasps) dumping things over. We were dumping radioactive. That's true. Like, right. Like, it, it, I'm are, so desperate to believe that it's a something. No, but you're right. You're right. That could be just as plausible. Like that is they, just as plausible. Because how, if we can't trust them in the um, first place, how can we trust them that right. these declassified yeah. documents are even legit? Have yeah. you guys seen Mirage Men? No. That documentary? You should check that out. That's pretty, it gets pretty dark. It's basically about this, uh, he's still around, um, Doty, Richard Doty, uh, and he used to work as a disinformation agent for the CIA. Disinformation. So he just spreads like bullshit? And yeah, and there was this guy who was, I believe it was in Nevada, and he basically 
thought he had seen some UFOs and he started tracking, he started watching the US military uh, bases and they started catching wind of him. And so basically rather than like arrest him or something, they brought him in and they were like, uh, yeah, you're totally right. There's there's alien stuff and we're uh, we're testing stuff. And we can actually show you a spacecraft. And they would, they showed him sort of like what ended up being, I, I think a hubcap. Uh, they took an aerial view of and it was this guy, basically his job was to, to enter, kind of entertain this guy, appease him a little bit right. and he eventually ended up wow. killing himself. And oh, it gets a little dark. Mirage Man. Yeah. Mirage Man. Yeah, that does sound really very interesting. I'm yeah, it's on. Definitely. It's free on something, but um, yeah, it's it's pretty sad and gnarly. And the guy, um, this Doty guy, he's still prevalent in like the UFO kind of community, um, but he's like one of those people that is, I would say, uh, unnervingly slimy. Like he mm. seems like very uh. the the, it, the vibe that I get from him is just sort of um, highly un, untrustworthy. Right. But that's also his job, and he admits yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth checking out if you guys uh, get bored. I'm definitely gonna check that out. Yeah, you guys. There's way too many sources here to list, so just go and look in the show um, notes. Yeah, the notes. They all have them all listed there. You can click nice. around and and see what's here. But um, do you guys want to do our I guess Elliot, do you want to do our sign off? Well, first, Elliot, do you have anything to promote before oh, we sign oh, off? Oh, that's true. Oh, golly gee. Well, thanks. No, I would just say uh, if you guys like psychology and uh, philosophy and psychoanalysis, check out the fundamentalists. Yeah. I definitely think our yeah. listeners would like uh, that. They would love that. It's a good, good overlap. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it gets a little, um, we argue a little bit, we disagree on stuff, and it's fun. And uh, it's you can see videos at youtube.com slash Elliot Morgan or subscribe on iTunes. And besides that, no, that's about it. Yeah, uh, but I'll do sign off. What, what kind of sign off you want? So we on this podcast will say BRB gotta go, and then it's a callback. It's surprisingly hard, but so you know, like you, <laughs> you want to do something that's like not too offensive. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but you, you know, uh, BRB gotta go, like prospect for courts, and you know, get abducted by aliens or whatever. Yeah. Like some just BRB gotta go flag down a mountie yeah. while I'm real sweaty. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, BRB, gotta go, gonna go burn my own stomach in a very specific pattern. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, incredible. Good job, Greg. That was great. Oh,